Open your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Have you enjoyed this study on gifts? It, um, I'll tell you what it does for me. It, it helps me to understand um, oh, maybe how I'm put together individually, but it also it challenges me because there are some things that I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm not. And that's where this, this study, it's so helpful because we're all supposed to be Christ-like. I mean, that's the idea of spiritual maturity, of spiritual maturity and that is to grow into Christ-likeness. And Christ, of course, had all of the gifts. So today, look with me at Romans chapter 12, look at verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy, and that is not telling the future, that's speaking the truth, whether uh, according to the proportion of faith, then verse 7, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, then here's where we are today. And he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Dear Heavenly Father, help us in our study today. Lord, speak to us through your word. Father, I pray that um, this will be just such a helpful and an instructive time for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Why are we doing this study? Well, the Bible says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. God does not want us to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. He wants us to be informed so that we can know how to serve Him better. There are three gifts that God gives me when I trust Christ. The first is eternal life. God wants you all to have eternal life. God wants every person. The Bible says it this way. It is not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Isn't that wonderful? God wants every man to be saved, the Bible says. That's what He wants. How does that happen? When you understand that you don't deserve to be saved, but you deserve to go to hell. All of us do. Isn't that right? We all were sinners. We deserve hell. That's what we've earned. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve. Well, if you'll acknowledge that and go to Jesus Christ in prayer and acknowledge to Him that you're a sinner that deserves hell, but you believe that He is God, that He was born of a virgin, He lived a sinless life, and He died for your sins, and then He rose from the dead three days later, proving that He was and is and always will be God. If you'll tell Him you believe that, and that you understand that you deserve hell, and you tell Him that that's not... That, that you believe in Him and you want Him to save you. He'll give you that free gift of eternal life. And so when you get that gift of eternal life, then you also get His Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God comes to dwell in you. The Bible says that when you're saved, that you're the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit of God actually comes to dwell in you. Isn't that wonderful? You say, how could that be? Well, He's omnipresent. He can be everywhere at once. And he's not diminished by being... If another person comes to him, he's not diminished by that. He's all-powerful. Isn't that wonderful? Those attributes of God. So you get eternal life, you get His Spirit, but then you also get a special ability to use for His purpose. And we're all different. We're all different. I read a a story this week about uh, when the animals were created, that they started a school. 
And what they had to do was all of the students had to learn how to run, how to fly, how to swim, uh, and how to climb. All the animals, they had to take all these classes. And the, um, the duck did great at swimming, but he wasn't very good at running or climbing. He really struggled. And the more he tried to run or climb, the less good at swimming he did because his feet got tired. The squirrel was great at climbing, but he was really bad at flying. Unless he was a flying squirrel, of course. But so when he would try to fly, he would get all bruised up. And the more that he tried to fly, the less able he was to climb. And so on. And the, the eagle was really a problem because the eagle wouldn't follow any of the rules. When, it, when they were climbing, he, the, the eagle said, I'll do it my way. And just kind of flew to the top and just didn't fit into the whole program. Now, the, the idea here is very simple. Not everybody here is gifted to do everything. And if we were all the same, some of us would be unnecessary. Isn't that right? But we're not. We're not. God has given us all different gifts, and we're all necessary and required for this ministry to work properly. That's the way that God intended it. And so we all have these gifts. God has given you a special ability. And uh, if you haven't taken our gifts assessment, gifts test, uh, or inventory, I should say, then um, I hope that you'll get one of those They're on the tables in the back. All right, so we're looking at the gift of giving. Look at how the Bible describes it. And there in Romans chapter 12, verse 8. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation, and look what it says, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. Some people make giving very complicated, right? Givers don't do that. Givers understand that giving is very simple. You either give or you don't give. It's do it with simplicity. Now, when we get to the misuses, you'll see one of the misuses of the giver is making it too complicated, all right? So they're supposed to give with simplicity. The example of the giver in the Bible is Matthew. Matthew. He had been a publican, and he had more to say about giving than any of the other gospel writers. Um, Then, secondly, he offers more counsel about giving. He's the only one who makes a statement that our giving should be done in secret. That's interesting. And then third, he's the one who addresses the issue of misuse of money and resources. That's Matthew who deals with all of those things. And if you're wondering about this, For all of these gifts in the Bible, God gives us a good example of the person who had that gifting. Now, so Matthew, giving to the needs of God's work. The proper use of the gifts is in the New Testament church, and the giver loves to give to God's work, loves to see God's work go on. Then, They practice hospitality. What is that? They see a need. They use what God has given them to help meet the needs of other people. Then they take ownership of the project. They take ownership of the ministry. These are the people that would say, this is my church. This is my church. You know, that's very important that people understand that. You know, it's hard to feel ownership in something that you've not invested in. Right? Remember what David said, I'll not offer God anything that costs me nothing. Right, So this is the idea of, and the givers, i got to tell you, everybody, when their gift is discussed, they enjoy it. Okay, The givers really want you guys to hear this stuff. <laughs> it's interesting, and you'll see it in a minute. All right, Why? Because they take ownership of it. What are the characteristics of a giver? First of all, they're able to see resources others may overlook. They're able to see resources... Others may overlook. Um, 
it's so interesting. People that are good at this, or that God has gifted them with giving, they find money everywhere. You know, these are the people that go around the building and find everything that could be sold and sell it on eBay, right, and use that money for the ministry. It's very interesting that they see, they see the money and they care about it. Um, oh, and maybe we'll get to this in the, re, in the uh, misuses, I can't remember. By being able to see resources others may overlook, they're very sensitive to waste. Right? I remember um, my mother one time. How many of you remember somebody saying this? You need to eat that. There are people dying in Africa who would love to. How many? My brother said, let's mail it to them then. Let me say this, that did not go over well. All right, then they invest self with the gift. They invest self with the gift. The giver doesn't only give the money. Now, now y'all are turning the page. The idea is to write notes underneath each of those things. I'm going to get a ruler and slap your hands. Um, The giver invests themselves with the gift. So let's say that um, I'm a giver and I see that Nick has a need, I'm not only going to give him the money, I'm going to show him how to use the money wisely to keep him from getting in the same place again. That's the giver. It's, many of us see a need and we're willing to provide funds. Oh, you want me to be there too? No, I'm out. The giver wants to be there to help. See the difference? All right. Then, desire to give high quality. Desire to give high quality. And again, I think of David with that. David wanted to make sure that his offering was acceptable to God. Think of the... Uh, oh, this is another thing. Do you know that Matthew is the only one who tells us about the gold, frankincense, and myrrh? He was interested in the gifts. He was interested in what was brought. I love that. And he's interested in high quality gifts. Not going to give you junk. Um, it's so funny. People will uh, be remodeling their house and will have a couch that's been in the basement for 30 years. Hey, pastor, can the church use this? In other words, I don't want to have to take it to the dump. The giver wouldn't. Now, it gets really quiet when you say stuff. Pastor, I can't. They're just trying to give. Yeah, give us your garbage. Thank you. Appreciate that. All right, so now. But the, the giver has the desire to give high quality. I want you to think about something. When you look at the temple and the care that God took in describing the place where he would be worshipped. Now, the church is not the temple, is it? Who's the temple? You are. If you're saved, you are. You are. And yet, we should care about the place where we invite others to worship God. It ought to be clean. It ought to be well-maintained. It ought to be cared for. That kind of thing. All right? And they desire to give high quality. Then... They hope the gift answers prayer. They hope the gift answers prayer. Um, There's nothing better for a giver than when they've provided something and they find out that that is a direct answer to prayer because the giver is trying to walk in the Spirit and meet the needs that God brings to them. It's interesting. So it's real important that their needs answer prayer. Then, or that their gifts answer prayer. Then they desire to give secretly. They desire to give secretly. Look at... um, Matthew chapter 6. Verse 
verse 1. I don't uh, know who gives what that helps me to be able to preach to you, you know. Um, if, if I knew how much you were giving, then that might influence the way that I speak to you uh, in, in a setting like this. And, and look at what this says, Matthew 6, verse 1. Take heed that you do not your alms before men that you're giving to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. So I'll pay for the building, but my name has to be on it. Okay? That's not what this is. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as, thy, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand knoweth no what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. So the idea isn't that no one can ever know what you give. That's not the point of it. It's don't give to be seen of men. Don't give to be seen of men. Amen? So the giver understands that they're going to give to the Lord. When I mentioned waste, I, would want to, I had wanted to show you this verse. So this will go back under that first point under characteristics. Look at Matthew twenty-five twenty-nine. For unto every one that hath, or, yeah, for unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So what is this talking about? This is talking about Israel when the Lord returns. But, what the, but the idea here is God expects you to do something with what He gives you. Remember the parable of the talents? The one who just kept their talent to themselves, what were they? A wicked, an unprofitable servant. God expected them to, to multiply it. And so the giver, that's the understanding from God that they have. God expects you to do, or the, the giver expects you to do well with what you have. And if you don't, one of the misuses we'll see in a minute is that they won't respect you very much. It's interesting. So that's one of the, something we have to be careful of. All right. So give in secret. Then they have a concern that giving will corrupt. They have a concern that giving will corrupt. Um, you find people like this who... They, they've got resources. They have resources. And God um, impresses on them to give to something. But they're afraid that if they give, that that person will be hurt because they didn't earn it. Isn't that interesting? Now, how many of you know that if you give a kid too much, they're spoiled? Right? We all understand that. Um, Jacob? Stan no, I'm kidding. Um, so, but, but this is a concern that the giver has. What is this? This is wisdom. This is wisdom. How many of you recognize that most people um, that don't have money don't know how to handle money? That happens often. And we, the, now, if you don't have money in here, you have more money than you think you do. Okay, I, I, I want you to understand that. Secondly, look at the lottery winners. You know, most, if you study the lives 
of the lottery winners, most of them, their lives are destroyed. The Bible talks about that. Don't look for, uh, the book of Proverbs talks about it, to be wealthy quickly. Don't, and the, the giver gets that. The giver gets that. So they're concerned that their money will corrupt someone, so they're very careful with how they use it. Then they exercise personal thriftiness. They exercise personal thriftiness. It's interesting how these people, many times they have money, and yet you probably wouldn't know it. They don't flaunt what they have. They're very careful with their income. They practice thriftiness. And the opposite of practicing thriftiness is, man, they cannot stand it when people waste money. I can't believe you spent that much money on that. That would come from the giver, all right? Then they use gifts to multiply giving. They use gifts to multiply giving. They like to give to projects that will carry on. So, like the people who built this building, I'll bet you in heaven, and I don't know that they know what's going on down here, but if they did know, I'll bet you they'd be thankful that we're having church here today. You know, that's the idea. They're giving to things that'll last or live on after they die. They're, they're, they're important in that. Then, they confirm the amount with counsel. They confirm the amount with counsel. Um, because they're careful about money, if they don't know how much something costs or how something is worth, they'll find out before they spend it. So let's say that I come and I, I say, okay, okay, men, we're going to do this project in the church, and it's going to cost $20,000. The giver is going to come to me and say, okay, pastor, what are the details? All right, did you check to see that that's the best price? And then what will happen is sometimes they'll say, you know, I think I can do better. And do you know what the pastor says? Praise God. Run with it. Run with it. That's the giver. The giver is very interested in confirming the amount with counsel. Then they take joy in being part of the ministry they are giving to. They take joy in being part of the ministry that they are giving to. Look at 2 Corinthians 9.7. Now, let me say this. If you're a guest here, sometimes what happens is people go to church and they say, all they ever talk about at church is money. How many of you ever heard somebody say that? Right? You need to know, if you're a visitor here, this might be the first sermon I've ever preached on giving. We, we, just, we talk about giving when we give reports and things like that, but we just preach through the Scriptures. So if you're a guest here, we're just trying to tell what the Bible says about giving. Amen? That's what we're doing, and, and so you can come back and hear another sermon another time. All right, so 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. They take joy in being part of the ministry they give to. Um, look, and this explains it. Look at Luke 12, 34. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I'll give you an example of this. We had, um, I remember I mentioned to you, we had some stock given to the church, and that's going to help us do some projects, and we put money on the building fund. Um, well, the, the stock was a certain company, and Ed Bermond knew to the minute what that stock was worth. It's interesting. Um, Doug Schmidtmeyer 
if we, we'd have a meeting and we'd talk about it, he'd pull out his phone and the app was pulled up. Right now it's, why? Now, we, didn't, we, we had no concern about that company before we had some of it. Then I wanted to make sure that company was doing very well. What's the difference? Ownership. Investment. God knew that. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. How many of you think that God could fund the church without you, if He chose to? Why do you think He chose to fund it through you? He wants your heart to be there. He wants your heart to be there. But, Pastor, I love the work, but I'm not going to give to it. That's like saying you love your children, but you're not going to provide for them. That doesn't make sense, does it? That's a, it's a, doesn't. Anyway, um, that, was a, that was a well thought out sentence right there, wasn't it? <laughs> All right, misuses. Misuses. Hoarding resources for self. Because the giver is so good at handling finances, well, they can come to really like it. You know, like Lord of the Rings, precious. <laughs> this is mine. <laughs> right? And so we got to be careful. The other thing that happens is because they're good at money, they're good at handling money, no one else is as good at handling money as they are, so they can't trust them with it. That's a misuse. Then, using the gift to control people. If you will do this, I'll give this. It's interesting. Now, for your children, that's really important. You know, teach them the value of, of money. Teach them the, what it takes to earn. You know, hey, have you parents ever told your kids how much your car cost? Tell them how much your house cost, how much your house payment is. So when your kids want that, you know, $50 toy or they want to go and buy this outfit or whatever... You tell, no, no, you, you need to understand something. Here's how much I'm spending on you right now. How many of you think that's helpful for your kids to understand? And then you say, you don't tell anyone else how much our house payment is. <laughs> but it's really important that we teach that. The problem is in, the, in, in ministry, when you're ministering to someone, if you're investing in that, many time the, times the giver, they've got a hard time giving it and letting go. That's hard to do for the giver. Um, when, oh, anyway, we'll go on. Then, forcing higher living standards. Forcing higher living standards. Um, this is something that parents can do. Uh, you know, you have been, your, your mom and dad have been married for 30 years. All right? So you as mom and dad, you're married for 30 years. You've saved, you've bought your own furniture, you've bought your own washer and dryer, you've bought your own cars, your own house. And you have a nice living. And you remember how hard it was. And so you want to provide more for your children. And so you set them up with a lifestyle that their income cannot sustain, and they end up going into debt and living beyond their means. How many of you, have, how many of you know people or you have observed that happening? We have to be careful with this, and the giver can do that. They can, ha they can have a, a situation where they will influence someone to live beyond their means because that person's not as good with their money as the giver is. 
the giver is more capable of living in a certain way. All right, then they can feel guilty about personal assets. They can feel guilty, and they're embarrassed by their, they can become embarrassed by their own accumulation. It's interesting. It's a misuse. Then they reject pressure appeals. So, um, you know, the only explanation, the only examples I can use are one, things that we do here at church. Uh, so we've got a need, all right? A need is presented. And so I'll come before the church and I'll say, look, we've got this that needs to be done. The roof has to be replaced. It's going to cost $25,000 to replace the roof. We really need that money by such and such a time. The giver wants it to be their own idea. So the Lord hadn't impressed them to do that, so they're not going to give to that. See, that's a misuse. That's a misuse. God brings spiritual leadership into your life to direct those things, and then your giftedness could be to give to that project, to again find the best price on it, to oversee it, to make sure that the money uh, goes as far as it possibly can. But the misuse of the gift is to say, no, if it's not my idea, I'm not going to do it. Okay? Then, giving too sparingly to family. These are people that they really do want to give to the Lord's work, but they're so worried about what money does that sometimes their own family doesn't have what they need. You'd be surprised how often this happens. You'd be surprised. And so what does that do? That, um, that can foster bitterness in the children. Wouldn't that be awful? And here's the way that it feels to the child. Dad loves his money more than he loves me. Wouldn't that be awful if your children felt that way? Now, the flip side of that is, oh, give them whatever they want. They're just babies. Somewhere in between there is what God wants. Amen? All right. Then, everybody's quiet in the money sermon. Uh, we should record. Uh, we need to set up a camera here so you could see what I see. We're talking about money. People are going. <laughs> then, giving to projects versus people. Giving to projects versus people. Now, remember, the giver wants to give to something that's going to live on after they die. So they'll give to a building, but giving to a family that's struggling? Well, they're just losers. No, you don't have any idea what's happened in that person's life. And here's the deal. Many people, before they get right with God, make bad decisions. How many of you, in a moment where you weren't necessarily walking with the Lord, made a bad financial decision? Is there anyone in the room who's done that? There's two of us. You people are great. <laughs> Bunch of liars. All of us have done that. Now, if you're a guest, yes, I'm this mean all the time. Um, it's really important that we get this. This is really important. Your money is not, does not make you spiritually superior. Now, the rest of you, just so you know, your ability to speak, gift of prophecy, doesn't make you better than the person who stammers. You teachers, your ability to discern and communicate information, that doesn't make you better than the person who ministers. You people have the ability to serve in ministry, and you're very good at that. That doesn't make you better than the prophet who doesn't seem to be able to do anything. 
See, that haughtiness, that can really hurt us, but we're on the givers today. Your ability to earn and handle money does not make you better than the person who's not good at that. Some of the best people I've ever known were lousy with money. How many of you know people that are like that? They're just wonderful people. They're just lousy with money. Does that make them a bad person? Not at all. They need the givers to help them, not discourage them. Amen. Then, causing people to look to Him versus God. Remember, we've talked about this before, of removing the Holy Spirit's chastening from a person's life with your gift. Now, the giver, this can happen. The opposite of the one who won't give because of where they are is the one who gives to everybody. And they, that person may need to stew in their own juices for a little while. Amen? All right. Then, waiting too long to give. Waiting too long to give. And again, the giver wants to see where the money's going, how the money's going to be used, all of those things that are helpful, but if they're not careful, then they cause pain in the person or the project because they held on to their money for too long. That's one of the misuses of the giver. All right. Marks of godly giving. Marks of godly giving. Are you all enjoying this this morning? It's helpful to think about these things. Uh, They are thrifty. Marks of godly giving. They're thrifty. They will spend their money wisely, not wasting money that could otherwise be used for ministry purposes. Careful. They're careful. Thrifty. Then they're resourceful. Resourceful. They will find a way to see uh, a need met. They will find a way to see a need met. And then they're contented. They're contented. They will be content with what they have. Contented. They will be content with what they have. Then punctual. Punctual. They recognize that it is better to meet a need quickly than to allow a need to grow into an even greater need that requires more resources. So the the spirit-filled giver knows when to give that gift. All right? Then they're tolerant. The, spirit guild give, the spirit-filled giver is tolerant. They can often give and take in areas where others sometimes find it difficulty to, difficult to be flexible. Then they're cautious. They often research carefully their investments. They're cautious. Cautious. Then they're thankful. They appreciate what they have and are grateful when they are used by God to meet a need. They're thankful. Look at 1 Timothy 6. Appropriate for today, isn't it? 1 Timothy 6, look at verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they... Uh, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. What God wants those of you, those who have the gift of giving, who have done well financially, God wants to make sure that you use your resources for Him. 
That doesn't mean you have to give away everything you've ever earned. That's not what that means. That's socialism, right? That's Marxism. Um, what God wants you to do is make sure that you're using that money for the Lord's work, that you do good, that you lay up in store good works. Now, do those good works save you? Does anybody get to go to heaven because they save money? No. No. Not at all. It's for the believers. God wants these gifts to be used in the church. Marks of godly giving. Now, remember, God's work is not to be done only by those who are specifically gifted for that work. God's work is not to be done only by those who are specifically gifted for that work. What do we mean by that? Well, God doesn't only want those with the gift of teaching to teach. Is that fair? How many of you, how many of you think God wants us all to be merciful? And yet He has specifically gifted some with mercy. So these gifts, God has specifically gifted givers, but givers aren't the only ones who are supposed to give. Okay? We are all commanded to exercise all of the gifts, so we are to be Christ-like. Then, so we are all to give. We are all to give. Now, how many of you would agree that we're all to give? Just the givers, like six people. How many of you would agree that God wants us all to give? Yes. Okay. What would happen if we did? So let's get, let's get out of the, the ivory tower. Let's get down into nuts and bolts, Grace Baptist Church, giving. What would happen if we all gave? What if we all tithed? Now, what do we mean by tithe? Tithe is a biblical word. And it, like many other words, no, let, me get your, let me get your attention, make sure that you all are hearing me. There, there are many people who believe they're tithing because they give. Tithing is a specific amount. It's 10% of your increase. You give of your increase. Now, some people say tithing is part of the law. No, tithing was before the law, during the law, and after the law. It's God's economy. So what God does is God gives you a sum, and then He says, give 10% of it back to my work. Now, those who say it's under the law, if we practiced it as they did under the law, that was actually 30% because they tithed three times. Okay, so 30%. What God says is, I'm going to give you X amount. I've given you the ability to earn X amount. I want you to take 10% of that and give it back to me. So there's something that we need to understand. We're all supposed to give regardless of circumstances. And that's the idea. That's the beauty of God's plan. 10% causes the same pain for everyone. And let me say this. All of us live on what we have. Is that fair? We all live on what we have. Do you know what my proof for that is? Everyone in this room is alive. We live on what we have. Is that fair? Now, some people live better on what they have than someone else. But we all live on what we have. How many of you believe that God provides for you? And, and you could not have anything if God didn't provide it. Is that correct? And so what God says is bring all the tithes into the storehouse. In the New Testament, Paul said, on the first day of the week, bring it into the church. We're supposed to bring that into the church house and then distribute it for God's work. That's God's plan. Tithe is 10%. Now, 
again, many people believe that they're tithing, so they make X amount per month, and they look at their check and they tithe off of their check. But what's been taken out of that check is their retirement, their taxes, all of those different things. So they, they tithe on their bring home. So what does that mean? That they are not, they don't believe that having a police department is increased for them. They don't believe that having roads and water is increase for them. They don't believe that having schools and opportunity and all of the things that our taxes go to, a civil defense, a national defense, all of those things that the money goes to, that's all a benefit for us as a nation. Now, how many of you would agree that your tax money is not used wisely? How many of you would agree with that? That's not the point. I think that that would be the universal understanding of everyone in this church. If you don't agree with that, see me afterwards. <laughs> all right? So we, we all get that. And yet, when you get paid, that is your increase. Your earning is your increase. So often people say, should you tithe on the gross or should you tithe on the net? You need to tithe on your increase. That is how much you earn, should tithe. On that tithe is 10%. If you make $50,000 a year, then how much would your tithe be? 5000 If you make $500,000 a year, what would your tithe be? 50000 If you make $25,000 a year, what would your tithe be? All right, so we all, do we all have the math? Let's look at what would happen if we all tithe. I don't know what's on that screen right now, Pastor Nathan. Is the projector? Praise God, we have a new projector coming in the next week or so. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> All right. Median household income for Shelby County is $50,527. $50, That's the median household income for Shelby County. Now, some, some, in the, some of our families make less than that. Some of our families make more than that. All right. But the median household income for Shelby County is $50,000. So, based on that, if every one of our families tithed, just tithed, didn't give to missions, didn't give to building fund, didn't give to special offerings, just tithed, here's our income, $404,216. That's a blessing, right? Amen. That's just tithe on the median household income. Now, let me say this. The, the, the average in our church would be higher than that, but... This is the median household income for Shelby County. It would give us just general fund, not missions, not building fund, $404,000. The actual tithe would be somewhere between $425,000 and $475,000 a year. That would be the income just on tithing for Grace Baptist Church. How much is actually given? Where are we as a church? Actual money. The budget for 2013 was $278,000. That's how much, based on last year's giving and the, the several years before, this is how much would be given. To date, we've received $224,000. So in order to make our budget, we have to have $54,000 of general fund giving in November and December. Just... General fund, not missions, not building, nothing else, okay? 
Total giving this year, including missions, building, and special events like camp and other things, here's how much has been given, $299,000. So think about this. Compare this to, I just pulled out four twenty-five. dollars Compare this to $425,000. So right now, apart from missions giving, apart from the offerings, the Bible talks about bringing in tithes and offerings. Tithe is the 10%. That's what we are due God. That's, what he, that, that's just His. Offerings are what we give over and above that out of, the, out of our hearts, okay? But imagine just the tithe, if just the tithe were $425 or $425,000. We're $125,000 behind that right now. What could we do if we all would give with simplicity? Romans 12 says to give with simplicity. What is simplicity? 10%. Don't make it, don't make it complicated. Just give that. All right, then your offerings would be whatever God laid on your heart. But if we would just do our, but fulfill our due, our part, what could we do? We could pay off the building in two or three years without any five by faith. Just pay it off. We could take on more missionaries and increase the support for our current missionaries. We could hire more staff to accomplish more ministry. We have so many more things we would like to accomplish here in Sydney. But Pastor Nathan and I, we can't do any more. We're just stretched. Then we could honor God with His money. How many of you believe that God provides everything that you have? Don't raise your hands on this. How many of you tithe? You give 10% of your gross income back to the Lord. You should really pray about this. Prayerfully ask God if you are... if if you ought to tithe to His church. Amen? Now, um, I'm not going to tell you how much Laura and I give. I wanted to, but deacons thought it would be better if I didn't. Um, Laura and I average a little more than 15% in giving every year. Ever since we've been here, that as long as I can remember, Laura and I have been somewhere around the, the fourth or the fifth highest givers in the church. Laura and I. How many of you think that Laura and I are the, fifth or four, the fourth or fifth highest earners at Grace Baptist Church? Say, what are you telling us that for? I just want you to know that we're, we're trying to live what God tells us. And here's the good news. We have a great life. God, I think it was, was it Brother Ferris? Somebody said, God's shovel is bigger than my shovel. You know, when I give to him, what does the Bible say? Give, and it shall be given unto you. Shaken down, pressed together, running over. How many of you believe what the Bible says? And see, the issue is, and here's what people say. This is, I, I, I just love you so much. Yes, some of my motivation for doing this is I want more money to come in. Okay? Now, if you were the pastor here, you would want the same thing. There's a lot to do. All right? So that's some of my motivation. My primary motivation is we're teaching on the gift of the giver. And so we're talking about biblical giving. But my primary motivation is I want you to know the blessings of God. I want you to understand how wonderful life is when you are faithful. When you honor God with your money, God is so generous to you. Now, i got to tell you, 
The givers in the, in the room, there's, there are two different attitudes of the givers toward a message like this. The, the, the one attitude is, yeah, pastor, get them! <laughs> the attitude towards the giver, the one who's been gifted with giving, who's not giving, is all he ever talks about is money. It's interesting. It's all about where your spirit is. I promise you this, we will do the best we can with every dime that is given to Grace Baptist Church. I promise you we will. But let me say this, that's between us and God. It's all of our jobs to give, to fund the work. This is what I started to say earlier. There are many people in the room right now, you would be surprised if you looked at the person on the pew next to you, you probably think they're giving. Good chance you're wrong. A lot of people come to church, don't ever give a dime. Sit on the pews, use the water, listen to the preaching and teaching, have their children ministered to. They don't give anything. Nothing. How many of you that would kind of bother you? Yeah. Y'all are so kind. Because <laughs> you're not sure about the person on the pew next to you. Look, I want... And here's the problem. Many people... Here's their thinking. Well, if I look at that, I can't live on that. I can't afford to give that. The question is, is God faithful or not? Do you, how many of you trust God for your eternal life? Well, can you trust Him about your money? He loves you. He loves you. He's provided you a church. Those who came before you provided you this building. Amen? Amen? And now we fund His work. It would cost millions of dollars to build what we have now, to rebuild it. It would cost millions of dollars. We don't have to pay for that. That's been given to us. That's been given to the Lord, and we have the opportunity to use it. All of us need to do our part. I think it's interesting. I would imagine that most people in this room are politically conservative, that you would look at the government think that it wastes money, and that there are people that are on the government dole who are not doing their part, and that would bother you. Some of those same people don't give to God's work. Isn't that interesting? Do you hear how quiet it is in here? Uh, this, is, this subject is one of those subjects that when you talk about it, it just gets uncomfortable. But Larry Burkett, he's with the Lord now. Larry Burkett said, you show me a person's checkbook and I can tell you their spiritual condition. Trust God. I want you to think about something. Black Friday is coming Friday. Are you going to take the Lord's money and spend it on Black Friday? Because what we could do, we had our offering. We could bring the offering and have our ushers stand with that offering, and you could just take some of it with you to take a little bit more to go and spend on Black Friday. We, that was Nathan's, Pastor Nathan's idea. Where's pa He's back there. Everybody look at Pastor Nathan. He's the one who said that. He's the mean one in this church, not me. Now, how many of you would, you would, never, how many of you would say, I would never walk into the church office, take money out of the offering plate and go shopping with it? How many of you would say we would, you would never do that? Okay, the rest of you can't ever be deacons or count the money. <laughs> but you just wouldn't do that. Would you all agree with me? You wouldn't do that. What God has done is... Hey, Nick, come here. 
I know that Nick gives, so I'll use him for this illustration. You better be giving. If you don't, God's going to strike you dead, Ananias and Sapphira style. You're standing by me. Okay. <laughs> okay, so let's say that Nick makes $500 a week. Okay? So Nick makes $500 a week. So what God did was God gave him that 500 and he said, oh, and by the way, Nick, take 50 to the church for me. Is that fair? Is that what God says? Now, when Nick takes that to the church, he just gives it. Imagine this. Imagine Nick says, hey, pastor, we have two cars here today. Can you run one of my cars home for me? We're going to Dayton. Sure, I'll, take, I'll do that. And so I take and I drop his car off at his house. And then I'm going to tell you guys, you won't believe what I did. I actually took Nick's car to his house. You mean you didn't keep it? Well, I wanted to. How many of you think that it would be really strange if I kept it? <laughs> What's that called? Stealing. Stealing. Grand theft. Grand theft. <laughs> Auto. Okay? Now, now, what is it if that money that God asked Nick to bring to the church, he takes home instead? What's that called? Yeah, thanks, Nick. We really need to pray about this. What did, Paul, what did, what did uh, God, through the prophet Malachi, write to the Jewish people? He said, you've robbed me. They say, wherein have we robbed thee? He said, in tithes and offerings. You've robbed me. So my question to you is, are you a faithful believer? Or are you not a faithful believer in the area of finances? Now, I know there, there are people that they, they don't understand the significance of the local church in God's plan, and they give to many other issues, and God's work struggles, just limps along, can't do what it needs to. If you want to give to those other ministries, do it after the 10%. Because that belongs to God and God's work and His plan for this age is the New Testament church. What could we do? Imagine if we had more than a half a million dollars here for ministry. Can you imagine what we could do out of Grace Baptist Church? I want you to think about something. We send materials all over the world. I, I, got, a, I got a book today. A guy wrote a book. And so he sends me a letter and said, I, says, I listen to your sermons every week. You, this, couldn't, this project couldn't have happened without you. Well, look, those sermons they listen to on the Internet couldn't happen without you. Who pays for the Internet? Who pays for the computers? Who pays Pastor Nathan's salary to put that stuff online? Who pays for the whatever they call the, the, the domain or whatever so that we can put it out? Who pays for all of that? You do. Or at least some of you do. See, God's plan is for all of us to be a part of that. Amen? Amen. Imagine what we could do out of Grace Baptist Church. Do you know what I'd love to see? Uh, I would love to see that as we celebrate the birth of Christ, that we don't steal from Him. Isn't that good? And that we give. We just give. We just give. I would like to see what happens in the month of December if every family tithed every week for the month. I'd be real curious to see the, our income at Grace Baptist if every family would simply take the part that God asked them to bring to the church and bring it. That'd be a really cool thing to see. Now, here's the deal. If you haven't been giving, we love you. 
If you never give, we want you to come. We want you to be here. This is not a business. Amen? But if you want God to bless you financially, then honor Him with your finances. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the givers. Father, thank you for those that are...